Yo. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. <laughs> oh, that was a bad note at the end. We nailed that. <laughs> Try the last note again. See. Cut it. Yeah, baby. Take out the last ending. Put in the new one. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time, and put entirely at your disposal. How's it going? We need money. You re- you need money? Well, we want to hire an assistant to set up the podcasting stuff for us. And make coffee for me. And make coffee for Ooh, us. That is a good idea. Yeah. So, I don't know what that would cost. 10 grand-ish? Let's do a Kickstarter. Fund me. Go fund All me. All right, go fund me. Do we have a budget for it? Well, once we get the GoFundMe going, we'll see how much money we make. Oh, I mean, do we have the budget to start the GoFundMe? <laughs> you need <laughs> a budget to start a GoFundMe? I would assume so. Look, nothing in life is free, Baller, except for Venmo. Apparently, that is free. Yeah. What's I'm Venmo? In... <laughs> what? <laughs> Come oh, on. Loser, Come on, man. Apparently, Venmo is this app that you can just send or receive money. It's like magic. Sounds like PayPal. Well, I think it is, but I don't know. We're using Venmo here. It's all the rage at the seminary. Why are people sending and receiving money at the seminary? I don't know. Reasons? I don't know. Porter got... He may, he literally forced me to sign up because we're going to Colorado next week, which is going to be so dope. Uh, but so he got like the rental car or Dude, something. Shout outs to peeps in Colorado. Colorado. I guess I don't really personally have any, but I got some peeps in Colorado. Do peeps I don't know if they're li- if you're listening. There's a dog out in Colorado, Lou Krupp. Whoa, Luke. Lou. Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you guys don't know him. No. Of course I do. He left the seminary and got married like a total loser. Ugh. <laughs> He's a layman. Married people. Yeah. The worst. <laughs> hey, I did my cousin's wedding, speaking of married people, on Saturday. That's pretty Went cool. Pretty well. I got two this week. Ooh, one wow. on Friday, one on Saturday. Not cousins. Yeah, they I aren't got... cousins? Or you aren't cousins? With well, them. I'm neither cousins with them, nor are they cousins with each other. Which is good. Huh. Well, I got I got asked to do two weddings so far. Whoa! Yeah, it's crazy, man. What as a deacon? As a deacon, yeah, dude. One in July in Texas, and another one in August in Cincinnati. So just some old bro dudes, some friends from college. That's Uh, pretty awesome. But it's so re- it makes ordination immediately real. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, I have my first one. I think I get ordained on April 21st, okay. and I have my cousin's wedding on May the seventh, or like May the sixth, whatever that Saturday is. So I've been a deacon for like two weeks. Whoa! Yeah, pretty great. So wow. I assume these people are having masses. So you're going to be doing the vows, and there will be a priest there to do. That's how my cousin's is. I don't know. Yeah. Are you preaching as well? I think so. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I am. We haven't like sat down with any of the details, but I'm pretty sure. Nice. Dude, I've got some freaking 
dirt on my cousin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the time to pull it out right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Wait, Mike, you... so last week I had tried to amplify you a bunch. So could you try to speak more oh. into the microphone? Sure. sure, sure, sure. No problem. Is this better? It is better, yeah. Okay. If you tell me what to do again, <laughs> I will reach my hand through this microphone. I tried to be as careful as possible to tread lightly on your pride and vainglory. You did a crap job because mm. I am hurt. Yeah. <laughs> did y'all's parents ever say that to you? I will reach my hand through this phone <laughs> and wring your neck. No. No, because no. it's impossible. No. Mine neither saw it in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so no worries there. <laughs> ah, sorry about that, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to this, he would legitimately whip my butt. <laughs> All the stories I've told about him. Oh, God. Um, so, the Detroit, what I can only call a fan base, which was five huh. people. Did Rob, do you know anything about this? I think so. Okay. Is that uh, Danielle up there? Yeah, they, they came and saw me. Did they? No, uh-uh. Oh, yeah. Father, drop it. Well, they were uh, a group of them were headed to Poland and Rome, and they were right. flying out of Chicago. Oh, that's cool. So they parked uh, their luxury sedan at my parish, and we went out to eat Mexican food. And they got me birthday balloons, although it was not my birthday. Uh, but it was fun. It was the Vrezos, brother and sister, Naomi and Noah. Shout out. The Centers, brother and sister, Danielle and Paul. Shout out. A guy named Chris, who I sat next to. Shout out. So it was very cool to see them. That is really cool. So did y'all just do lunch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had to get to the airport. And then you took them to the airport? No, someone else did. Oh, okay. Well, how was it? Was it fun? Yeah, it was great. It's kind of... I mean, they're doing a lot of cool things up there. They were talking to me about Danielle and Paul wrote, like, some interactive kind of play um, that sort of addressed cultural issues vis-a-vis <clears throat> Catholic teaching and stuff and sounded very arty and cool and real. Um, and all of them are very interesting people. I sort of felt a little bit of pressure to be like somehow a celebrity, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just tried to be myself. It was cool. Not much to say about it, except, that, is, that, except cool. that it was very nice to meet them. Well, shout out to the fan base in Michigan. Dude, that's so cool to see, well, just rapid dedication like that to go and to drive to Chicago. Obviously, they're flying out of Chicago, right. but to, to, to have lunch with you as well. And she, she invited me to go also. Um, yeah, they just, she just wanted to meet the podcasters, Danielle and the, the Detroit folks. But this weekend I was down in Birmingham for my older broski's wedding. And to say that we partied would be the understatement of the year. <laughs> no, dude, it was the most insane fun. I, yeah, it's indescribable, but I will say this, this miniature story to explain how hard we boogied. At the end of the night, when we got back, we rented, my mom rented this house, like, it was actually really close to the EWTN stations. I got to go down there and um, do my holy hour down there and kind of check out that campus. It was pretty cool. I'd never been there before. But there's this monster house that someone's trying to sell, so you rent it, like, super cheap. And all the Metzas, we just stayed in there. And it was so, there was, like, a girl's side of the house and a boy's side of the house. (laughs) And so it was just raucous, and there's a pool in the back and a hot tub. And so after the wedding, after the reception, then like everyone had, had danced and partied so hard that when we got back, everyone just sat around the hot tub and just sucked their feet in the hot tub to like give it a, a time of relaxation and rest for the feet, just uh, some healing. But it was... It was uh, you guys were cutting a rug then? We were cutting, yes, we were cutting rugs. You were tripping the light fantastic. Oh, man. It was a lot of fun. So I'm very happy for my older brother. And uh, and you have a little brother getting married soon too, right? 
he got married this summer. Oh, he beat your older brother? To he the beat punch? my older brother. That's yeah. right. That was that bachelor party you went to, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Was there a bachelor party for this one? There was. Um, my dad was the best man. Whoa. Um, yeah. Which I, I haven't heard of that. Yeah. I don't know if I've heard of it before either. But he did a, he did a great job. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say about it. The bachelor party apparently was a lot of fun. They just did like a little cabin and played some golf and spent some time together up there. Um, but his best man speech was really good. He he does a really good job with stuff like that. And um, you know the the bride was not Catholic, and so you know my dad, I think he did a good job with it, and I, I think he really enjoyed the weekend. But they were very hospitable. Birmingham's like old Southern, legitimately classic Southern culture down there, which was a lot of fun to be a part of and be around. So, yeah. It was a great weekend. Too legit to quit, man. Sounds like we've all had some fun. Yeah, and Rob, you were down at the convocation? It was great. Yeah. How was that? It was good. Springfield Priest. Uh, talking about just the Wichita priests talking about their stewardship model, which our diocese is trying to adopt, like in in some form. So it was very encouraging. A lot of talk about like discipleship and Jesus, and um, I was I walked away like yeah, very encouraged by the whole week. And I got to go home, and just hang out for the weekend, which was awesome. Booyakasha! Let's pray. Let's do it. Relax. Here's just a, and this isn't even, this isn't going to be a topic, but real quick, just to throw this out. I was thinking about this uh, at that convocation last week, and I, I don't even, I, yeah, it's going to go nowhere for a while, but I was like, we should at some point, and I don't know when the time is going to come, but even if we don't go on like a two-week trip together, it would be super fun to do like three or four days somewhere, maybe even like next fall or something like that. And just like, I don't even know. And I don't know what the right way to call it is, but like just brainstorm about the podcast. Cause I know you've thrown out Connor, like trying to write some stuff for the website and we've tossed around like an ebook idea, etc. I just came to this realization. I was like, I don't think this is going to happen, which is fine. It doesn't have to, uh, but I don't think anything else is going to happen unless like we get together and just like, and it'd be fun, but just like brainstorm and hash out. Like, what do you guys think about that? Yeah. Like a little corporate retreat for three dogs North, (laughs) all the stakeholders. That's exactly it. Yeah. We could do a ropes course together. Just the three of us. Trustful. (laughs) Team building exercise. (laughs) No, I like it. Yeah, we should, like we should go I skiing. Like we should go in the winter. We should go skiing somewhere. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, we'll be in the Holy Land, but that'd be great. Whatever, <laughs> just come back for a little quick, you know, midweek ski trip. Yeah. <laughs> that would, yeah, skiing would be very I skied fun. for the first time a couple years ago in Galena, and I found it extremely fun. Have you Have you guys skied? Yeah, I got to do, I've, I've done some skiing before. I've never done real, I've done like, a couple times I've been to Galena and I've been to it's Devil's Head in Wisconsin, maybe. Um, but I've never been to like Colorado or Wyoming or any of those Ooh, ski. Well, yeah, I grew up in a place where everybody went somewhere cool oh, yeah. in the summer and in the or in the spring and in the winter. So, yeah. like Christmas break, everybody's like, I'm going to Utah or whatever yeah. um, to go skiing, and then we're gonna go to Boca Raton or. Wherever. For Do we have break. any fans in Utah, by the way? Um, I'm pretty sure all 50 states have downloaded at least once. Oh, Wyoming would be. Oh. Wyoming is. I, maybe it's one of the most least populated states, but we do not have many people downloading in Wyoming. Huh. So if you're from Wyoming and you're listening, please spread the word mm-hmm. to <laughs> all of the glamorous do- cities of Wyoming. Such as Cody. Cheyenne. Cheyenne is also a city in Wyoming. (laughs) That's all I know. (laughs) 
do whatever it takes. Spread the word. Anyway, continue. Sorry. No, you I saw no, people went skiing. I have nothing to say except it was ju- it was just fun to finally do it because it was it was like something that I always heard people saying like oh you, you know you've been skiing and I was like yeah I went cross country skiing with the Boy Scouts a couple times <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't count dude I would love to I would love to do that yeah and plus I feel like we do our best work when we are all together yeah mm-hmm. I mean obviously yeah I don't think that a lot of people realize that we're not together. Hmm. I can't remember if it was this past visit from the Detroit crew or somebody else asking me, like, wait, so you guys aren't in the same room? No, we are not. We are speaking via the internet. It's all the internet. It's all tubes all the way down. Did you say it's all tubes? Yeah, it's a series of tubes. That's what the internet is. I'll meet you in the tubes. (laughs) All right. All right. Did y'all's parents ever call the TV the cathode ray tube? No, they called it the... What did they call it? Oh, my dad would say vidiot games. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. No. If you were playing video games. Are you playing some more vidiot games? Man. There are still, uh, like my grandfather's generation, oftentimes I will ask them where things are very regretfully. Because they will in detail describe exactly... Oh, like directions to a place? Unnecessary directions Mm -hmm. that aren't even as good as what my GPS would pull up. No, I think that's one of the big uh, generation gap indicators is like, uh, what's what's the address of where the wedding reception is? Okay, so what you're going to want to do is you get on Uh, Vernon and then... Don't even. Okay, take a ride. like getting yes just stop <laughs> yeah, just give me the address yeah, yeah. <laughs> my grandfather this is true this weekend drove around birmingham until he found one road like he just knew that the house was on this road <laughs> and oh, apparently he went into walgreens and was like harassing people in the pharmacy <laughs> y'all know where old Leeds road is and they're like look old man Use your phone. Who are you? He's like going up to people in the pharmacy line. Dang it, man. Papa, it doesn't work like that anymore. I'm I'm starting to realize that uh, I don't know if it's an effect of the technology that's available to me or just kind of my the way my mind works is that I have like almost no short-term storage in my brain. Hmm. Uh, like... I know where everything is, where I grew up. I know how to get places. And if I go there, if I go places long enough or frequently enough, I'll, you know, not have to plug it into my GPS. So I'm not completely mindlessly following whatever the immediate direction of the various devices I have tell me to do, you know. Mm -hmm. But because now I'm more in the habit of, like, writing things down as soon as I think of them or, or even doing them as soon as I think of them, because I was the kind of guy who'd like, oh, I need to print out a, you know, new insurance card for my car, and put it in the glove box, and that—that's the kind of thing I'd put off for like six months, <laughs> and drive around with an expired insurance card in my card in my <laughs> glove box. So I just, just uh, I apply David Allen's two-minute rule. Like, if it takes less than two minutes, just do it right now, hmm. uh, which is very, very helpful, yeah. and relieves a lot of dumb anxiety of like store why would i need to store in my brain oh at some point when you have two minutes you need to do this yeah but you know i have a thing in like 15 minutes and the youtube video that i'm currently watching is 14 minutes so (laughs) i kind of i don't really can't squeeze in the two to do the thing the math doesn't work what do you want (laughs) to say yeah like you're not the arbiter of math okay so but this is something I've actually been struggling with a little bit existentially. Like, because now I'm a little bit more task oriented, like, uh, I have the mental organization and the sort of get off your butt and do it, um, habit going. Like, it's hard for, it's harder for me to stop now. I never would have thought this because I've come kind of lazy by nature. But, like, just this past week, uh, you know, I had the wedding that was kind of like the thing at the end of the tunnel besides Sunday mass and a baptism on Sunday. Um, so I had a homily for that to get ready, but 
just working all week on stuff. Like I, I've been building my parish's website, so figuring out how to do that. I had my first meeting for Spanish RCIA, so getting all that stuff ready. Uh, finishing up a program that I started over the summer called Matrimonios in Cristo, which is convalidating civil marriages uh, for Spanish speakers and uh, you know, I had wedding rehearsals and all this stuff. So I just felt like I'm going and going and going and I'm doing even my prayer like in the morning or the breviary or the mass starts to feel like I'm okay. Another thing checked off the list, checked off the list, you know? So I, uh, I'm a bit like just, you know, I put everything in my calendar. I, you know, write down the things I need to do and I just will sit there and do tasks and it's harder for me to just like ratchet down to um, it's the old being and doing thing, you know, mm-hmm. like when I sit and I'm like, okay, I should pray. I feel like I'm just a robot doing things right now. Um, but then that like engaging your personhood and I still feel like I'm very attentive to my conscience of uh, like the, the discernment of spirits, like, after this long week, the baptism was the last thing I had yesterday. And then I had this invite, which I hadn't committed to going or not going to sort of a birthday dinner slash, I don't know, it was like an early afternoon dinner kind of thing for family. And they'd had, you know, been having some problems and stuff and they were trying to have a nice time for uh, the guy's 65th birthday. And I was just like, you know what? I can't in good conscience just not go to that. So, you know, what kind of felt like a little bit of an obligation ended up actually being very fruitful. I had a conversation with somebody who, you know, afterwards you kind of feel like, okay, that's why I felt strongly that I had to go. You know, why God was pushing me do this one last thing before you take your day off. But still, do you get what I'm saying? I'm saying babbling again, but uh, that struggle between... And it's not like I have a ton to do. It's not like, oh my gosh, there's so many demands on my time. It's all stuff that I've sort of chosen to do in some ways. Um, like these programs that I start or things that I take leadership in. But I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to do it really well. And then tasks accumulate and then I just start doing them. And, I, and then I get in that mode where I'm just accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. Do you get what I'm saying? Dude, I fall into that... <laughs> all the time i mean i i definitely do i don't know um you know i have i in in a lot of like different aspects of my life i guess um it has to be like a very conscious thing for me like kind of intentional decision oftentimes to go and like you know not get one more thing done especially like when i get in in the groove and can like potentially get a few things like checked off the to-do list of like whatever's whatever's going on that week um so i don't have like an answer or much to say about it besides yeah well it's like how do you get off the hamster wheel because once you do one thing it's like whack-a-mole you know okay i'm gonna clear out all my emails and take care of all these things that i've sort of been putting off for the last 24 hours and then you do it and then as soon as you start sending emails you start getting emails you know um so that that's uh the worst is when like and I don't know if this is going to relate totally but the worst is when like I get a text from like a friend that's just like checking in or something like that but like I don't know exactly like how to respond to it yet cuz and so it like becomes another thing to do mm-hmm. on the list as opposed to like just like saying hey to my buddy or like friend that texts me. Do you ever get that? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that sucks because I'm like, this is not what this is meant like to be. Um, oh, I felt like the biggest jerk for so many years because people would call me on my birthday and I kind of, kind of hate talking on the phone. Hmm. So I was sort of like, that's true. Yeah. Like, oh, happy birthday. Here's a bunch of phone calls to return. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know, yeah. So that's kind of the point is like, how do you, how do you be a human being and not just treat everything and everyone as something to do? Dude, the only thing I've noticed, and this isn't like a real life question or answer, I guess, but maybe it is. 
Uh, but the only thing I've noticed along these lines is that when I'm around uh, families that I know, like in particular, in particular, my brothers and uh, my brother and sisters families, um, like that just kind of like goes out the window mm. for me and it kind of does it on its own. So even like last weekend uh, before I went down to that convocation was family weekend and my parents brought my niece and nephew up. And it was so much fun, but like I didn't get anything done. <laughs> and I had this plan to like at least get a few things done, and like it was just like liter- that was not going to happen yeah. with my niece and nephew. Um, and I I don't know. I mean, just to I guess throw it out there, like I've even I've reflected on that before, like that same type thing happening, and realizing like the life that that brought for. For me that weekend and uh so i've literally said the prayer before of like god i give you permission just to like wreck my schedule and like make me not accomplish things hmm. so i don't that's not like maybe yeah hit that uh i'm attached to my schedule i'm attached to like the yeah. time to get things done but that's the thing is like and i know i'm not trying to like equate the two lives because i know there's like lived and practical differences in them but I guess I've just noticed that, especially with like watching dads with families is like, yeah, I mean, they have to be like task oriented and they have to get stuff done. So it's not that like they're letting the ball drop, but you know, like if one of their kids is sick, like that's, that's it, man. And it's just like so ingrained into the family structure, at least the ones I'm around, which I consider very healthy, like lived family life. Um, and so, I don't know, I'm sure it, it has to look different for, you know, a celibate life. Well, you know, here's one thing I'm thinking of, is that this is maybe true across the board for people's lives today versus 100 years ago, uh, where still a large portion of of people farmed for a living or did some kind of repetitive and menial task for their livelihood, uh, which was basically the same thing every day. It was hard work and required a lot of getting things done, but you didn't have to be like re- reinventing yourself every day or reinventing your schedule or creating something new or being innovative or creative. It was like you get up, you milk the cows, and like you feed the pigs, and then you go out into the field and do whatever needs to be done. And all this stuff over and over and over again. And then you come home and you're with your family and you eat and you sleep and then you get up and do it again. And there's something about, it's kind of like the rosary. Like you just go around and do the same thing over and over again. And you can kind of enter into a manner of being while doing. Uh, Whereas like if I'm constantly thinking like, okay, I want to do this, but that requires me to do this and this, okay, better, I better make a list and then just start ticking these things off. And it's like the first time that you're ever doing the thing you're doing, it requires a lot more attention to the task itself rather than the meaning of the task in the wider uh, scope of your whole life and the meaning of your whole life. You know what I mean? So I guess it's just easier for me to fall into a, the motivation of like there's this there's this sort of superficial satisfaction of just getting anything done you know like laundry oh i'm gonna need some clean clothes for tomorrow so i better do my laundry so i'm doing that while i'm doing another thing and i'll put that in and then set a timer so that i know when i need to put it in the dryer so that i can you know engage in this thing while that other thing is you know you have all these contemporary things going on at the same time and you end up just in this like mania you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Whereas like when you're like on the retreat, the 30 day retreat, it's the same thing every single day. And you just get, you don't have to think about what you're doing anymore. You're just doing. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it does make, make good sense. I don't know. I don't have anything to say about <laughs> it. <laughs> like, let's just be together. Let's just, <laughs> let's just be man, man. yeah let's just, man let's just i kind of loathe this conversation this uh, this topic though because i i think i hear about it so much but there's never any answer to it yeah 
You know what I mean? That's very true. Um, no, I mean, this is going to change the topic a little bit. Feel I free. Th- so, unless you got anything, Mike. It's actually not something I struggle with. So, I struggle with uh, the opposite. So, <laughs> What do you struggle with? I struggle with, um, like, actually doing tasks that I don't I don't really think are important <laughs> like Such as? Other people think I'm important other think other people think these are important like and washing your pillowcases well no no one else thinks that's important so I do not <laughs> do that um like I don't want to use any concrete examples cuz they're on the tip of my tip of my brain just like a lot of email stuff uh, sharing of information um, through the internet, like that—that that takes a lot of our time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, it really does. Um, what other things? I don't know. For some reason, it's really difficult for me to uh, to really get into something if it requires anything less than my full attention, like. So doing doing a bunch of small things, that's where I really, really, really struggle. Um, yeah. Well, and it's, I but there is something, there is something to it. Like I remember, um, well, you know Father Brett Brandon real well, and I remember he either told me once or he wrote in that like to save a thousand souls book, the couple. Or I think he might have said this the couple one of the couple times I've met him, but uh, he was talking about when he was vocation director. Even if he was on vacation, he would not, if a guy called him, he would not let more than 12 hours pass before he called them back. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was just like so impressed with that. And that's, I guess, what I've found of like, and again, this isn't, I'm not going to name any names or whatever, but, and like, it's not, I'm not trying to like deride their character at all because there's a couple priests that I know that are like outstanding men and outstanding priests. But they are, like, so bad at that type of stuff. And it sucks. Like, I called a guy, um, I don't know, I mean, it was probably a year ago now. I hadn't talked to him in a while and blah, blah, blah. And, like, just nothing. And he kind of has a reputation for, like, he won't call you back. And I was like, there is something, like, very real about that of, like, that's not how it should be. No, that's totally true. Yeah. But that's, so I have to work. Like, that's not how I tend towards. Mm-hmm. So I have to work towards that. And thanks be to God, like, I grew up with my dad and my family where that was, like, drilled into me. Mm-hmm. And then with the military on top of that, that yeah. was super yeah. drilled into me. But I still don't tend towards that way. So, like, I always just want to hang out and be. But I, so I have to work really hard to do. And so the tasks and things like that, even though I do get a deep sense of satisfaction, I think that's why I like the army so much hmm. is because that pulls this, this quality that I don't tend towards that kind of pulls it out of me. Hmm. And so then you're just like accomplishing all these things throughout the day. But yeah. th- the structure is in place so that you can still be while you're doing. Uh, and so it's a lot of fun in that sense because you get the, like the superficial accomplishment feeling. But at the same time, it's really no skin off your back because you're you're just moving through the structure of the day that's kind of already in place. So you get the accomplishment, but then like I'm just kind of being throughout all of it. So I don't know. It sounds like I. Yeah. So here's my and this is here's kind of my change of direction, but just my thought, because there is that question of me of like. You know, why does that stuff matter? Like, why do I care if, like, Father so-and-so calls me back or whatever? And I, you can, like, you can kind of engage that question with, like, relationships and everything, which are, it's very real and important. But it's kind of, like, just the broader question of, I don't know if it's why or maybe how, just stuff in general matters. And this is going to sound very strange and out of the blue, but it's been something, um, maybe it's like, it's been around like, yeah, the past year, certainly, 
but just like a ton of weddings and a bunch of my friends and cousins and siblings have like gotten engaged and stuff. But it's like, why do even the thought of like to take a specific example, the thought of like an engagement ring and a diamond, like why is that appealing to us? And I, I remember thinking back of um, it was a couple years ago, but a girl I was real good friends with, um, and she had gotten married, and I think she was like a year into her marriage. So I went to see them, and um, she just had a like a wedding band on, and she's a very beautiful girl, and I'm sure she probably had an engagement ring, but she was just wearing her wedding band. And I remember being struck by like that specifically of like how attractive that was that she just had her wedding because it was like so you simple. Mean, like, that's her only piece of jewelry? That was her only okay. piece of jewelry was just like a very simple wedding band. And, uh, you know, this girl's like late 20s, very attractive. Um, and there was something specific about it, though, I remember because I reflected on it a little bit of like it was it was honestly like more attractive than like a big old diamond or something like that on her finger but at the same time like i don't know there's something very good about like like wasting what you wasting something on someone you love so i don't know i that was a weird transition but do you see like kind of what i was going for there anything you you lost me i was following the first part you lost me with the diamond ring analogy okay connor do you have anything well, it seems to me like what you're saying. So we're doing exegesis on Rob's interjection. Exegete it. Yes. Okay. Exegete it. Help me. Because well, it, it just, it like, it, it. I thought of it, like when you were talking. When I think about something like a diamond ring, uh, I don't know. This was, this was one thing I was really bad at when, uh, you know, I was courting ladies and things like that was, I think it was a lot of it was my own insecurity because when you do do a grand gesture, like, or even a small gesture like get flowers or make a mixtape or something for someone you like. How many mixtapes did you make? <laughs> I made a few. My day. <laughs> there were well, it was in the age of burning CDs, so I'd, I'd make CDs. Oh, dude, yeah. I need to get my hands on those mixtapes. Uh, yeah, I'd have, I would have no idea how to even find them. Anywho, uh, that uh, that's a good. Um, I don't know, symbol of like the nexus between being and doing because you, you're doing something that takes time and attention and some of which is kind of dumb. Like oh, I have to go to a jewelry store or like learn about this stuff that I have no idea uh, about, you know, like settings and cuts of, of diamonds or whatever. I've got to spend a bunch of money and what's the point? And like you could, from a utilitarian perspective, if you were just accomplishing tasks, there, there'd be, there must be a much more efficient way to communicate my affection for this person than this. But there's something about all of that, all that it takes to, to get, produce and deliver this little ring that means a lot when you, you know, ask this person, can I be your husband for the rest of your life? You know, um, but I was thinking of an even, maybe an even better image is the mass to me, you know, because that's that's something that like on my day off this morning, when I got up, I I prayed and I, I said the mass by myself, um, which can kind of feel like, OK, it's a thing I checked off the list. I did the mass today. You know, I, I did my priestly duty, offered the sacrifice. But there's something also very comforting about it's sort of like the farmer thing where you get up every day and do the same exact thing and there's something sort of uh mm. comforting about that you know the fact that i don't have to make this up you know this is just something that's asked of me that i do um and so you can settle into it you know it's an act it's a it's a human action and that you're doing something from going from potency to act you know like I could decide not to do this today. No one will, you know, fire me. No one will know the difference uh, unless I tell somebody, you know, but I feel it in me like this is something I have to do uh, for God and for my own spirit. And so I do it. 
but then once you start you like you settle into it um because it's the routine and that to me like why it's so important for me to center my life on the mass why i've given my life away so that i can celebrate the mass uh i mean that's what so to speak the saints and angels are doing in heaven um because there's something human about doing like accomplishing and and moving from potency to act and becoming there's a great line in a book i was reading last night uh called stoner some a parishioner gave it to me to read he said he really liked it and i've it's been sitting on my coffee table forever and i took it to read uh last night and i was uh it's about this kid from a farm maybe that's why i'm thinking about this he, he grew up in a farm around 1910 he was born and uh, it's fiction but Basically, his parents were, you know, sixth grade educated, just working this little piece of land in Missouri and just getting harder and harder. The soil is kind of drying out. And he sends his boy to college. He's an only child. Sends him to University of Missouri to study like soil and agriculture. But he falls in love with um, with English literature and decides to become a teacher, which his parents just don't get at all. And... Uh, he feels so ashamed when he has to admit his plans that he doesn't want to come back to the farm. Uh, but he wants to keep reading and studying and becoming a teacher. And his dad has this great line. He's like, well, we've always tried to do what was best for you. And if you feel like you need to stay and study your books some more, then that's what you have to do. <laughs> like something about that. If you feel like you have to study your books, like that com- coming from a person who's just never thought there was anything worthwhile in a book. Uh, and it kind of makes no sense that you just sit in a library and look at these things. Uh, but to him, he'd fallen in love with literature, like the Chaucer and Tristan and Isolde and everything like that. And, and he kind of falls into this adventure of, and I just started the book, but the line that really stuck out to me was that the future was the, the instrument rather than the object of change. And I was thinking about that and I was like, yeah, that is exactly how I feel about my life. That the future is my future or the future of uh, my parish or this archdiocese or the world itself is not the object of change. We're not doing things to change the future. The future is changing us, you know, as it, as the clock ticks one second per second, uh, you know, I have no idea what the future will hold. It has so much to do with forces beyond my control, but I know that it will change me, you know, given that I put myself on the right path or that I let God put me on the path he has for me rather than sort of bucket and try to try to make the future what I want it to be. And that, that thing about human life where like change and becoming and, and doing is inherent, like in, in our hearts and what, what we're here for yet at the same time like is not the final purpose the purpose is to be in the presence of god worshiping him for all eternity that is the doing that really matters and so all of that we do whether it's build a website or do laundry or meet with a couple to prepare them for marriage like all this stuff that to me can kind of feel like just a menial task like okay get it done did it printed out my insurance card put it in the glove box done okay still at the end of the day, I'll feel a certain emptiness if I don't relate all of that somehow in my mind or put it in the context as part of a story of me becoming the person God created me to be. And that this, all this stuff is like the instrument of changing me into the man I'm supposed to be. Does that make sense? I don't know if that relates to the diamond ring at all. Maybe I just completely went off back into my thing, but or you could have saved the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Dude, I have no clue, man. Uh, the only thing that's coming to mind, um, well, it was the first thing that came to mind, was Rob and I were talking last night about, um, well, just like kind of sharing why, at least why for me CPE was, uh, I think, as challenging as it was. And a big part of it was, the basis um, that essentially we don't shape God. God shapes who we are. 
And it seemed like a lot of the perspective of some of my coworkers was, was maybe the opposite. Um, and everything that, like everything that you just said, what I heard was like all the mass, the rosary, even our actions, even our worship, all that we're doing is actually like gift in reality that shapes us. And so like when, when you can settle into something and do it, but really you're being, being formed and being loved in a very particular way. Like at least that's how I, that's how I picture the mass. But that was, that was a connection that I, that I was making. I still don't get the ring though. Rob, can you explain it? It was just, honestly, it was it like that thought that I hadn't thought about too much, honestly, especially recently, just like popped in my head with what Connor was talking about um, before. And it was just that it was like, it was kind of a move towards like, I guess how I tried to picture it was like, why does like this stuff matter like what is doing the little things matter like when we were talking because we, that's kind of where the conversation had gone was like it, it just this yeah. and it's not i wouldn't even call it a paradox or anything like that but it's like this notion that like the stuff we do really does matter like that's very very human but i agree totally with what you were just saying connor we're like um yeah, we could get everything done and be totally, totally empty at the at the end of the day. Um, and so it was just that question of like, what does that stuff matter? Like, why does getting tasks done matter? Well, you know, even like the Father Brett thing, like that's like so impressive. Like that stuck with me that he said he was like mm-hmm. adamant he called guys back before 12 hours passed when they had called him. And uh but it was just kind of that question of like, and I guess, you know, I'm not trying to answer. It's not like the most pressing thing. But it's like, what is that in us that like makes that matter? Makes that so important. And so, and then it was like just kind of an, I think that was maybe what cued that old memory in me of like, what is it about like a diamond ring, which is literally a rock, you know, at the end of the day from like a utilitarian perspective, like what makes that? what makes that matter. Yeah. So it was a shift and then yeah, well, Connor yeah. brought it back to what he wanted to talk about and here oh, we are. Uh huh. Speaking of little things. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because even in your story it was like it's not like the thing that struck you was the simplicity of just the ring. Right. Not it hi- it highlighted her whole beauty, but it also pointed to like a huge reality about her. Right. Like a committed, yeah. just like a beautiful committed love yeah, in their, yeah, yeah. in their marriage. So you maybe can see where, Oh, for sure. Like at least where it like came through my mind for anyway. Sure. Yeah. 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 And I think that's why we also, or at least I also have the tendency to make quick judgments. Oh my gosh. I am just a violent judger. It's insane which is like the number one no bueno rule. <laughs> and it because I think it's easy for us to, to see something small and jump to big conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I don't know exactly why the brain does that, but like you see a, a small wedding ring and it's a sign of this huge reality. This person's living in a structured, committed relationship of love. And you can tell that because of a metal thing with a rock that they have on their finger. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and but I think, well, yeah, I don't know. Do you have that as well, Father? Do I have what? The tendency to, um, well, I guess I just jump to a lot of conclusions based off of little evidence. Like, little do, things. Do you have a jump to conclusions, Matt? Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that has various conclusions that you can oh jump to. Ooh, I like that. Dude, I just need a little bit more money. Hit me with your car. <laughs> Maybe if, yeah, if you got a big settlement. Dude, yeah. I was thinking about uh, the whole like secondary intention kind of idea. I can't remember what philosopher would have thought about this, but like, let's say I want I have the grand intention to get to Denver from here, from Chicago. Uh, there's going to be a lot of like little 
secondary and tertiary tasks that I have to kind of, um, by necessity, also intend, like get a ride to the airport or get a parking spot at the airport, get a, you know buy a plane ticket, get on the plane, pass through TSA, all of these little things that have to get done in order for me to get to Denver um, are all sort of wrapped up in the big overarching plan of getting there. And the project of human life is to get to heaven or to, you know, to be drawn to God um, through all of the actions of our life. And so there's all these little different things and, and some of them seem so insignificant that it's hard to even imagine how they play a part in the grander plan, but they all do. Um, if you're one, what's the Kierkegaard? A saint is a person who wants one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want the one thing, you're going to, by necessity, want a lot, a lot of little things in order to, to do that, in order to get to that or answer that deep, deeper desire. Um, and that, that's the struggle is to get, is to lose the forest for the trees, you know, like you, you just constantly can get lost in the, either, either in the immersion in tasks for tasks sake or the avoidance of tasks, because you think like, no, I'm going to skip that stuff and go straight to the big story. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, maybe. I mean, I was just thinking honestly of like, there is something, even when we're talking about doing... Wait, do we disagree about this? I don't know. I don't know. Disagreement. Disagreement. Oh, man. Prophecy Whatever fulfilled. you just said, not sure what it was, I formally disagree with it. <laughs> but I disagree with both of you guys. I guess it's something like, just to poke at a little bit more, but there is something of like, when I... Just kind of making more connections of like why that whole ring thing yeah. came into my mind. But it was like, when I get into that mode of like task oriented I need to get some stuff done and like I'm just gonna you know hammer down not because it's gonna make me free to like be who I am but because like I need to get this stuff done I find that the efficiency that I push myself towards like absolutely sucks out any sense of like wastefulness in me but I find that like when I am most myself, like there is a sense of like, I don't know, like there's a spirit of like abundance in God's goodness or wastefulness. Like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds like you're trying to hold um, like the goodness of efficiency and right. being practical and getting things yeah. done, but also like the freedom to waste a ton of time right. and to be unproductive. And uh, to sit around your room and and do nothing, like to have both of those things in tension simultaneously. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, yeah. And Lewis said something. I think this isn't surprised by joy that he sort of like takes for granted that the point of human life and effort is so that you can sit by a fire and read a book or have a conversation over a drink with a close friend. Sure. That's the point of all of everything else that you do is so that you can do that. The the recreation, um, the leisure is the point of life, uh, which has to be unproductive and has to be an end in itself. It's not a means yeah. to, and maybe that's what you bristled at about the Denver analogies that like not everything we do is just a means to accomplishing the goal of look at me. Now I'm a saint because I did all the things that I needed to do. Right. That is where the analogy kind of breaks down because to be a saint is to just to be a saint, uh, not to do all the things a saint does. Yeah. It's an interior reality. And, but it does express itself in exterior things. Like, so the, the marriage thing again, this is on my brain. Um, well, last week or a couple of weeks ago now, uh, a guy and a girl, uh, a guy's a, a listener to the podcast, they got their marriage, uh, convalidated, uh, exactly a year after they did their civil marriage. And I've sort of accompanied them and, um, gotten to know them really well. And they've grown a lot in their faith and in their relationship with each other and, uh, the relationship with me. And all it was, was me, them, and two witnesses. Cause all they wanted was, uh, you know, they were dressed nice and, and we did a mass and everything. Um, 
but they'd already had the big party. They already had like the dancing and the whatever open bar and they didn't need to do that again. You know, all that, all they were looking for was God's blessing, the sacrament of marriage, you know, the fulfillment of, of what marriage is, you know, what marriage is for. And that was really beautiful for me to be witness to that, uh, that someone would have the purity of intention there. Whereas, you know, I have some conversations recently, I've had some conversations with people and like, okay, you need to, you need to get your marriage convalidated in order to do this or that, or receive a sacrament. And like, oh, well, we were planning like one or both of them will say, well, we were planning on doing like a destination thing and we're already civilly married. We already have three kids, but we, you know, we really, you know, I want that to wear the dress and all this stuff. And like the sort of accoutrement, rather than the kernel of essence of what, what you're really after, you know? And, uh, that's where I have the snap judgment problem, Mike, is like, like, you just don't get it, you know? Whereas maybe they are just having a good intention, but they do are, are missing sort of the point of it, you know, of all that stuff, all, all of the engagement ring, wedding bands, parties, toasts, best men, and all the good things that make a, a beautiful wedding are like expressions of what's happening, which is, you, you know, you're making a, you're making a commitment to one another, uh, before God and you intend to live this out for the rest of your life and you're welcoming God into that. And why the, the, the tail wags the dog, you know, like you would, you would let your desire to have it in a certain place or to be wearing a certain thing or, or whatever sort of trump the main meaning of it, which is to receive the sacrament itself. Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe I'm being too vague and sort of intentionally being vague to some extent. Um, but do you get what I'm saying? Like the, I don't know, maybe I lost it, but the doing and being. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just like, you could, I mean, you could take so many examples yeah. in this. But like when I went with my brother, when he picked out like his now wife's engagement ring, and it was awesome, you know, and he got a freaking rock, like. Mm-hmm. But and it was, but it was so like good because that was not. This was like just an, like from a spot like of what he wanted to do for her because how much he loved yeah. her, yeah. and it was like yeah I had you know he not had like the means to do that or whatever like she would have said yes had it been like you know a ten dollar thing like out of a machine but there was like goodness in the the wastefulness of it but i i guess like i heard your point is basically like if it's an overflow of like the reality that is there then all of that stuff does matter and can be good or it can be like extremely unattractive yeah. if it's not if it's not rooted in something real. Mm, yeah. There's an inauthenticity to it. You know, right. Like we're just doing this for the sake of doing it. Uh, yeah. It's like the wedding isn't about the party. Yes. You party because there's a wedding. Exactly. Thank you. That's it. Which well, I know it cuz I did it this weekend. <laughs> it happened. It's just so strange because like just looking at my room right now, I, I kind of figured it out this year. When I move back into a, my room here on campus, I will, I will actually live into the room. So like I'll bring all my bags in, and it'll take me like a week, in total, to actually maybe even two weeks to actually get everything put away. And you're only gonna ever pull it out of the bag you packed it in, is if you need it. No, it's no. Because, I mean, like, stuff that I immediately need, I'll, I'll go on and take care of. But then, like, little boxes and, um, like, suitcase or, uh, like, putting my little coffee deal right. Like, I'll just kind of use the things as they come along. And eventually things will be, like, my room will be lived into just the way that I, the way that I prefer it. So, it's just so different to... To see that perspective and it's it's how I grew up as well like my mom and my dad are the same way and all of my siblings actually I have no clue what happened to me um, 
but like I have no desire to uh, to complete tasks, even though I can feel at times. This is this is how far on the opposite end of the spectrum I am. I can feel at times where like my leisure time, my being is not as fulfilling because I haven't done the tasks that I need to do. Mm. <laughs> it's like, dang it, I know that I need to do these small things so that I can actually enjoy being. So you can relax. I yeah. guess that that is what I, uh, from the very beginning, have been trying to communicate my struggle with, is because I was, for the majority of my life, like you, Mike, where, why unpack? Why uh, wash my car? Why wash my sheets shower why, why do any yeah. yeah like i'm just gonna have to do that all again tomorrow you know why <laughs> clean things because they get dirty like that super lazy college student attitude not i mean it's lazy but it's you know it's also because you're thinking about the big big picture and you're like i'd rather do something that could not be undone you know or wouldn't isn't so obviously futile you know because you have to just keep doing it over and over and over again until you die um, and now, but, but the thing is like, if you don't do those things, they start impinging, the need to do them will start to impinge on your ability to engage the eternal or the leisure, you know, the temporal is just necessary. Yeah. Um, so then you get into this thing like, okay, well then I'm just going to take care of all this dumb stuff so that I can engage the cool stuff. But then the more you engage the, the little insignificant, the more that becomes sort of like the driving force. Um, it's the whole the hymn, time like an ever-flowing stream bears all its suns away, you know. You start engaging with time, and time will just continue to demand your attention. And what I'm looking for is like, how do you, like a monk, like grow a crop or make beer or whatever they do, their aura at labora, where their work itself is their prayer. Engaging the temporal is itself the portal to the eternal. And I just find that is a difficult thing. I mean, it's going to start, obviously, with a relationship of prayer so that you can see God in, you know, you don't, you don't have to demand like magic or lightning bolts in order for you to be like, oh yeah, there's God. Because he is in the temporal, he is in the normal and every day, but it's so easy to lose focus, you know? Yeah, my work is my prayer. I wasn't listening, but I disagree. <laughs> I haven't prayed because I'm working all the time. We are all over the place. I know, man. Dude, how hard would it be as a parent with children Goodness gracious. It would be so tempting to just do tons of tasks. Especially when other people are relying on me. That's when I feel like, okay, all these tasks are going to get slayed. Parenting That's is one of those ones, like, knowing a lot of parents now, it's the thing that people complain about the most, but also dread when it's going to be over. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and, and to some extent, I think we all do this. Our security blanket is our complaining, our, our right to complain about something. You know, even if it's a, a life situation that we ourselves freely put ourselves into, like becoming a parent, um, it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I never get a day off and there's kids and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, it's so hard. But then you say like, well, they'll be, they'll be grown up soon and they'll be out of the house. Like, oh no, I'm so sad about that. <laughs> you know, we're real to ourselves. <laughs> uh, that, that is the, another source of tension. It's like, I was listening to a podcast about midlife crisis <laughs> and um, one of the things about one of the reason people think people have midlife crisis is because like a good portion of what you intended to do, like the big things, your dreams, like I want to start a business or I want to write a book or are they whatever. dead now? <laughs> no, like a person will have accomplished um, mm. In other words, like sort of annihilated the potential that they've been living for. Mm. You know, like that potential has yeah. already been actualized. And so what am I still getting up out of bed for? You know, That's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at this, it's like 
this thorn in your side, the thing that you feel like, you know, you didn't even choose, but it's demanding that you do it, demanding that you accomplish it or bring it to fruition. Yet then once it's brought to fruition, it's like, now what? Um, you just buy stuff. Crap, dude. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, I immediately think about the importance of desires. Like, desires, they they give us hope. They give us life. They give us, like, future in a lot of ways. Talking to the microphone, dude. Are you clipping your toenails? What? <laughs> no, I'm not clipping my toenails. Okay. I, I did clip my fingernails earlier. Um, hey, but I ha- I do have to go. I have to print off a homily before class. Nice. And write it. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.